invite you to be seated for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 27. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. In fulfillment of the scripture and obedience to God's will, Jesus goes to the cross. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You say so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he did not answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many accusations they make against you? But Jesus gave Pilate no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the festival, the governor was accustomed to release a prisoner for the crowd, anyone whom they wanted. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Jesus Barabbas. So after they had gathered, Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release for you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? For he realized it was out of jealousy that they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with that innocent man For today I have suffered a great deal because of a dream I had about him. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus killed. The governor again said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what should I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? And all of them said, let him be crucified. Then Pilate asked, what evil has he done? But they all shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he could do nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took some water and washed his hands before the crowd saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. Then all the people answered, his blood be on us and our children. So Pilate released Barabbas for them, and after flogging Jesus, handed them over to be crucified.
the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole cohort around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. After twisting some thorns into a crown, they put it on his head. They put a reed in his right hand and knelt before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. After mocking him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. As they went out, they came upon a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his clothes among themselves by casting lots. Then they sat down there and kept watch over him. Over his head, they put a charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Then two bandits were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, you would who would destroy the temple and build it in three days. Save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, also mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross now, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God, let God deliver him, for if God wants to, for he said, I am the son of God. The bandits who were crucified with him also taunted him in the same way. From noon on, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And about three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemasagrabathani. That is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, this man is calling for Elijah. At once, one of them ran and got a sponge and filling it with sour wine, put it on a stick and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come and save him. Then Jesus cried again with a loud voice and breathed his last. At that moment, the earth, the curtain of the temple was torn apart from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. After his resurrection, they came out of the tombs and entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now when the centurion and those with him who were keeping watch over Jesus saw the earth quake and what took place, they were terrified and said, truly this man was God's son. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord. As a child, I went through a period of time where I experienced nightmares, strange 
surreal images so vivid, they stuck with me throughout the day. I remember feeling helpless, afraid to go to sleep and confront these reoccurring narratives in which I had no control, in which I felt powerless. I recall these strange dreams as we enter Holy Week for the uncomfortable sensations, the feeling of powerlessness is similar. There is a dreamlike quality about Holy Week, full of familiar narratives, paradox, and a surreal turn of events that we experience especially today on Palm Sunday. One moment, Jesus is being praised as royalty as he triumphantly enters Jerusalem, beloved, respected, palms waving hosannas sung. The next, we are reading of his trial and submission to suffering in the passion story. We sit in the tension of this jarring change, one that leads us into the three days. The rest of this surreal, often uncomfortable story. But perhaps when it comes to Holy Week, it's not this seemingly sudden change that just makes us uncomfortable. It's the quietness of Jesus, the innocence of Jesus, the innocence made clear to us by a dream. In Matthew's Gospel, An unexpected character appears, Pilate's wife, who, of all people, is said to have suffered a dream about Jesus. A dream apparently so powerful, she sends word to her husband to not have anything to do with this innocent man. A dream which reinforces that Jesus has not done anything to deserve the suffering that he quietly submits to. How do we stay present in this nightmarish situation? It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. I imagine the look on Pilate's face as he realizes the hopelessness of these circumstances The word from his wife, the anger of the crowds, the jealousy of the chief priests and the elders. He clearly feels the discomfort of this moment as well. And allegedly, Pilate has power. He is the governor, a leader and an authority. And yet when it comes to the king of the Jews a wandering man who has spent his life with the poor and the marginalized. Pilate has no power. All the kings of all the world could not have had the power to stop this story from going to the cross. And that is because going to the cross is the inevitable extension of Jesus' entire ministry, in which he humbly serves the lowest and most vulnerable of the community. In his submission to the cross, 
Jesus exposed the world to a strange idea, an idea about divinity and royalty and power that was so countercultural, it scared those around him because it didn't look like what people thought it would. It didn't look like any, any of the many kings that Israel had had before, these men who wielded their wealth and power and led men into battle. No. This divinity looked like humility and love. Love for all the allegedly wrong people, the sick, the tax collectors, the poor, the outsider, those on the margins, the sinful, the unworthy. And as Jesus was whipped, beaten, and abused by a cohort, which could have been hundreds of men, he was certainly not the picture of royalty one might have expected. There are no triumphant songs here, no grand speeches. There's only suffering and death. Perhaps if this were a dream, this is the part in which we would wish to wake up, to leave the uncomfortable sight of our suffering servant king, to, like Pilate, wash our hands of it, to tell ourselves we already know the story and rush to Easter morning when victory has been assured. But this nearly silent Jesus invites us to lean in a little bit closer, to listen deeply, to open our ears and our hearts, to know what divinity really is. Obedience, self-emptying, and sacrifice. Naturally, it's incredibly uncomfortable, but what better way to seek to understand our God just a little bit more? And so that is how I would like to invite you into Holy Week to linger in the words of this story that we know so well, an invitation to fully embrace this time of public and communal remembering, mourning, and lament, and an invitation to trust in this surreal, sacred vision of Jesus' self-giving ministry, epitomized in his sacrifice when he became servant to the world. This is our King. Amen.